Praise God, it's good to be here. I think I've said before, when you get my age, it's good to be anywhere. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to look at a scripture this morning which is familiar to most of us. And probably anything I say this morning won't be new. But I'm saying it because I believe it's from the Lord. And I'm turning to Ezekiel chapter 37. We got an okay from someone down here. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, for prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know I am the Lord when I've opened the graves, O my people, and brought you up from the grave. I will put my breath, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I'll place you in your own hand. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. A positive passage of scripture. Father, we just come this morning and Lord, we, we thank you for the sense of your presence that we've already experienced in this service this morning, Lord. And Father, as we come now around your word, 
Father, we, we don't want the wisdom or the knowledge of men. Father, come amongst us this morning and speak to us through your word. Grant, O oh Father God, that as we gather round your word this morning, Lord, every life shall be touched and changed. Yea, Father, we pray this morning that, Father, your spirit shall come upon us and there shall be a stirring among the bones in this church this morning, Lord, that, Father, yea, revival shall start in this place this morning, Lord, because you are on the throne. Father, we just come and cast ourselves upon you now and say, Father, have your way and we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This scripture that we're looking at this morning was written about 600 years before Christ, which is a long time. God was speaking to these people who were in a divided kingdom. You'd got Judah, you'd got Israel. They were in captivity. And for something like about 10 years, they'd been in exile. Jerusalem, the city that they loved, the city that was theirs, had been destroyed. These were a people who were, were somewhat demoralized. There was nothing of their own. And yet God was still with them. I think in our day and age, we'd have been saying that there's nothing to live for. But God had a plan and a purpose. They were a despondent people. But when we come to this scripture, I believe there that we've got three definite pictures. We've got the resurrection of the souls from the death of sin. We've got the resurrection of the gospel church. And we've got the resurrection of the body in Christ's return. I don't want this morning to get drawn into when we talk about Christ's return, the, the post-millennium and the pre-millennium. Uh, this is over my head, folks. Uh, and I stand with a, a friend of mine who, when he gets into an argument last, always says that he's a pan-millennialist because it'll all pan out at the end. And folks, that's the important thing, that God is still in control. And uh, if you've got your knowledge, well, bless you. You know, I'm not jealous of you. I'm just proud of you. One thing I do know is that Christ is coming back. He is coming back. David Pawson, I think it was actually here at Billings that I heard him speak and something he said I've never forgotten because he said, according to his knowledge of scripture, nearly all the prophecies regarding the coming of Christ had been fulfilled. The only prophecies still outstanding were those that had only been fulfilled as the events start to take place. 
I don't want to get into an argument about that. I'm just excited about it. Because, friends, if we're so near, praise God. Someone prophesied over me. I can see the spot there. And we had one of those great meetings. And this guy, I don't know his name, so it doesn't really matter. But he prophesied on me that, that night. He laid his hands on me and prophesied. And he said, he didn't know me. And I don't know him. And he said, you will see revival. That's kept me going over a few years. <laughs> I hope there's not too many who have got to go yet. Because, folks, I'm desperate. Desperate to see Christ return. And I believe that it's a, a, a message for the church today. When we look at the church today, there's a despondency amongst the people of God. There's a despondency in the church. There's a feeling of giving up. You know, we look in our own area. The Methodist Church at Pemberton, when that church was united some years ago, there was a membership of over 400 people. There was no way it could fail, but it has done. The Chapel of Oral, which was a place that was very dear to me, that's where I got saved, that's where I got filled with the Spirit. Again, not a stone is left. The Anglican churches, many of them in the same way, many of them today just lying empty. The big Roman Catholic church at Carmel, uh, again, lying empty. Some of the fine tradition that people have experienced has moved on. But folks, I want to say that in the spite of all this, God is still in control. And God doesn't look at church buildings. God is concerned with the hearts of men and women like you and me. This is his concern. He wants to see us in that, that place in relationship with him. In Luke 21, verses 25 to 28, and there will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be Satan. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws nigh. Hallelujah, friends. Because I believe some of these things are happening right before our very eyes in these days. Praise God, what a day to be living in. Hallelujah. I want to turn to that verse 5 in that passage that we read where there's a question asked. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely, sorry, verse 3, and it said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy. 
the word tells us in verse 2 that they were very dry. It's no wonder they've been exposed to the sun, the elements for so long. Everything that was any life, a vitality in them had passed away. And friends, we're living in a day when many Christians are giving up. Many Christians are turning away. Many Christians have lost the fire and the enthusiasm that we once had. And I believe that we're living in a day when this needs to come back, when we need to get back to that place where there is an enthusiasm, there's a, a, a determination. These Jews were, were in exile in Babylon. It was unlikely that, that ever those nations were going to come together again. When you look at the bones, they were lying there. It was impossible to form a body with what was left. But God was in the control. It was unthinkable to form a living body. They were nearly at the uh, stage of decomposing. What was the prophet's answer in that verse 3? Oh, Lord God, you know. Friends, I don't want to bring despondency on the church this morning. This morning, I want to bring life and vitality and determination. Because, folks, I tell you, I'm a poor loser. And I believe that God is with us in these days. And folks, there are things that we're going to see and experience that are going to surprise us because God is on the throne. Folks, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't say it. But I'm just longing for that day when the Spirit of God is poured out in such a way that men's lives and women's lives are being touched in the streets not in the churches, in the chapels, in the streets and in the shops, because the presence of God is their friends. That's revival. Definition of revival that I heard many, many years ago, but I've never forgotten it. And this guy said, in a time of revival, everywhere there is a sense of the presence of God. And that puts its thumb on it for me. Folks, just imagine... Walking out of here today and the presence of God is in this place and the people in Crank Road are waiting to meet us. That's when God moves. That's revival. These people are in that place where it looked almost impossible. Can these bones live? He said, oh, Lord God, you know. Do we believe it? Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Without faith, 
it's impossible to please him. When we talk about faith, how much faith do we want? According to this in Ezekiel, not a lot. There's a verse, you know, in Matthew, because of your unbelief, for assured if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to the, and it will be done. Nothing will be impossible. Have we got faith to believe? Are we in that place? God can and will, I believe, revive his church. It's not going to be a case of we did it my way. It's going to be a case of very much we do it God's way. I remember hearing a great man of God speak at a meeting. God had, had moved in, in the churches in that area and in, in that church particularly. And that man got up to address the meeting and God struck him. And he couldn't join two words together. It was just a gibbering mass. Because God was doing it his way. That man wouldn't have, wouldn't have accepted that in the natural. Heidi Baker worked for so long with very little, a few results. And God moved in and took her back. And her ministry was revolutionised. And blessing came in abundance. Souls being saved. People being cared for. He took Wesley to the other side of the world. And Wesley failed. You can't imagine Wesley as a failure, can you? We hold him up now, you know, almost next to Jesus. Forgive us. But John Wesley was a failure. And he came back and God touched him. And God brought life into him. Folks, I say this morning that I come and I say with through the writer of Ezekiel, the Lord, you know, you know. Do we desire to see his church, his body restored? Do we long to see revival? Lift up your heads and rejoice. I believe there is growth in the church today. But we've also developed a church where people are experts at everything. And for every situation, we call in the experts. Folks, there's only one expert. And he's on the throne. Let him do it. My knowledge of music is nil. And I remember many years ago, some things you don't forget forgotten what happened yesterday but you know take back 30 40 years I can remember it <laughs> wonderful isn't it uh, and I was taking this meeting and I'd selected a hymn there which I knew well and the people didn't know it they didn't know the tune so I in my infinite wisdom leaned over and picked up a Methodist hymn book which I was familiar with and turned to this hymn 
and gave it to the organist. I said, try that, you know. Saviour of the situation. And what happened? I didn't know it. And they didn't know it. <laughs> because all those black dots didn't mean anything to me. And the tune that I'd used over the years wasn't a set tune in any case. And in the midst of this mayhem, there's an old chap at the back. I can see him now in that little chapel. And he just said, Hey, lad, why don't you leave it to the experts? <laughs> and from that day to this, I have never interfered in music. <laughs> but folks, we've got an expert and one of the problems that we've got today in the Christian church is that there are too many of us who think we're the experts and it's all about him. It's all about him. We've got an expert. Do we believe that he can make these bones live? He's the one who put the, flung the stars into place. He knows what it's all about. Are we coming today in faith, believing? Are we believing today for healings, for conversions, for revival, for a move of God? The question comes, can these bones live? And folks, without fear of contradiction, I say, yes, these bones can live if we let God have his way. Oh, folks, let's take our hands off some of the things that are God's and let's see what God can do with it. It'll change this nation. Turn to that verse 5. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. Here he was in that almost impossible situation, but the prophet he was getting that vision and he was seeing this situation. And he pushed his doubts right to the side. He spoke and it started. These people were in no mood for prophecy. These people wanted to see something tangible. You see, the trouble is, friends, that it's our mood that dictates, but it's God who commands. You see, he is in control. You know, I've been in church life long enough to know that when things are, are going well, there's an excitement. There's an enjoyment about it. We're influenced so much by service, circumstances. This leads to inconsistency in our Christian walk. 
go back into the Old Testament, we think of Enoch. Enoch in Genesis 5 and chapter 22 and 24. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God, not for God took him. We could go on with that because we get similar circumstances with Noah. Friends, when we look at the scriptures, when we read the scriptures and when we think of what God has done, there's so much doom and gloom, but God is in command and he wants us to have a vision. You see, our circumstances change, there's inconsistency in our living and we come to that place so often where all is doom and gloom. We meet them all the time, don't we? Christians who seem to be, be struggling. Folks, if there's any of you here this morning this way, let's deal with it. Let's get rid of it. You know, there's a guy I knew through work. He used to go in the office every Monday morning and, and, and every Monday morning and Alan would be there and he used to say, now Alan, how's things? And I got the same answer. Oh, pressing on rewardless. Well, he got moved and I got moved and for quite a number of years. I never saw him. Now, I spotted him one day on the station at, New, at uh, Birmingham. There was a colleague with me. I said, I've got to go and have a word with Alan. I know what he's going to say. This is about five years down the line. Alan, nice to see you. How are you doing, pal? Oh, pressing on rewardless. He was a church warden, and I think that's about as far as it went with him. But friends, there's so many of us as Christians who are pressing on rewardless. We've been there before. We've done it before. We know all about it, you know. Is it any wonder people don't get infected by us? Because we're pressing on rewardless. Folks, we need to get all of this vision and we need to be living above the circumstances. We look at the scriptures. We look at the crucifixion. What would it have been if we'd just stopped at the crucifixion? But there was a glorious resurrection. And there was a great Pentecost. Oh, the crucifixion brought the way. But friends, God didn't keep us at the crucifixion stage. He brought us through fake friends. Have we in this day and age, have we got that faith to look up, to get excited about what God wants to do, to get excited because we're going to be part of it? Hallelujah. You know, it just thrills me because <laughs> I love surprises and I think God's going to surprise us. It's going to be a great day. Is it all doom and gloom? Are we pressing on rewardless? Are we living under the circumstances? Friends, they could have stayed at the crucifixion, but there was a resurrection, there was a Pentecost. Friends, have we got faith to look up? 
One of the things, you know, that I never forget from the army service was with an orderly sergeant there. He wasn't the nicest of chaps, but they never were. But it didn't matter where he was or when you saw it or what you were doing. He'd only one phrase. and he was, Look up, man, look up. And folks, there's a lot of Christians today that they need to be saying to one another, look up, man, look up, because your redemption draws nigh. Folks were gazing downwards. Ezekiel obeyed the command. And I believe, you know, friends, that if we're going to see God move, we've got to have obedience, we've got to have faith, we've got to have some vision. Friends of ours, been on the mission field now for many years in various parts of the world. And she picked this up from a, a preacher over in Australia. If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. Have you got it? If you don't see it before you see it, you'll never see it. Are we there today? Ezekiel. Son of man, can these bones live? Lord, you know. Prophecy was being fulfilled from a pile of bones to bodies. A picture of the church today. From the doubts of Ezekiel to bodies. From doubters to shouters. They obeyed the command and God did it. I've got to mention this because it's, it's part of my DNA, I'm sure. There's a personal revival there. There's a revival life. Two Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves we know the scripture so well and turn from the wicked ways. You see this was their only hope. And friends the church today has tried everything. We've tried socialising, we've tried gimmicks, we've tried music, we've tried Bible studies, we've tried courses. Some of it has been blessed. God has been gracious enough to bless us. But there are a few people today still alive who've ever experienced revival. 
Have we got a hunger for revival? As a church, have we got a hunger for revival? Are we more concerned with keeping the bricks and mortar and the roof in place? Are we desperate for revival? You see, we've got the bones and we've got the promise. I picked these figures up some time ago, which encouraged me that growth nationally throughout the world was at 2.5, how many billions? But the actual spiritual growth that had been recorded was 2.7. So then, spiritual growth was greater than the natural growth. Friends, we have a lot to thank God for. But I believe that there's more to come. I love to see the church revived. I'm not bothered what's over the door. I'm bothered what comes out of the pew. And I believe that when we read this passage in Ezekiel, that it calls us to a personal revival. Something that is for you and for me. Can these bones live? A personal experience. Taking the world for Jesus. You see... What happens when we lose our fervor, when we lose our, our enthusiasm, we become a pile of dead bones. We blame the church, the government, we blame our friends, we blame everybody. But we become dead bones because we've lost that contact with the living God. Can these bones live? We become satisfied with our lot. The scripture says Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Are we? Are we enjoying that abundant life? Friends, if I didn't believe that that abundant life was possible for us in today's world, I would never stand on a platform and speak again. It's in the scripture, doesn't it, about Jesus. Can any good come out of Jerusalem? Can, it, can any good come out of Nazareth? Jesus did. Friends, we each, if we're born again, have the potential to be revived and restored. 
and a blessing to our generation. Could go on with church history, but I won't. Friends, I come to a close. And I'm asking the question as I'm asking myself. Can these bones live? Yes. Can you live again a life of fulfillment and blessing? The answer is yes. Start today. I believe that there is so much God has prepared for us. Romans, in Revelation 3, verse 8, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Folks, that's for us. There's an open door. And I believe in these days, God is saying to us, come on. He is wanting to come. He's wanting to revive. He's wanting the dead bones to live. And he's saying to you and me this morning, are you prepared for it? Do we really want it so much that we could say, let everything go, just to see that revival, you know, just to see those people down the road born again of the Spirit. Just to see some of these neighbours who caused us trouble over the years coming to that door seeking forgiveness because God has touched us. This is our God. Friends, this is revival. This is God at the move with his people. Folks, I come this morning and I say that I believe with all my heart that these bones can live and that this nation of ours that we love and respect and care for can be turned again from the sin-sick ways that we're in back to God. And that, Father, that friends, we can become a glory nation where Jesus is exalted. Jesus is praised. Jesus is uplifted. Can these bones live? Hallelujah. They can. If we want. I said I would never interfere with music, but I did press on Colin a piece that we want to close today with. Folks, it might not be a well-known piece by everyone, but I believe it's a piece that's on my heart. Revive thy work, O Lord. Folks, if you've trouble with the words and you can't say them sincerely, don't sing it. But if you can, let's go for it. Revive thy work, O Lord. Let it start here, today, to the glory of his name. Can these bones live? Hallelujah. Yes. <coughs>